Big Little Lies, Season 2, Episode 5, Kill Me, is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and Emily Fox, I just want to give you a hug, but that's going to be hard with our recording apparatus. What about like a nice little fist bump? A little fist bump? Yeah, yeah. like here my, we go. My, my, yep, there we go. Nice. You, you couldn't hear it. It was a very soft <laughs> fist bump. If you could hear it, that means it was painful. And also, <laughs> if you could hear it, that means you have great hearing. Yeah. It was, it was really an inaudible uh, fist bump. Bad. Kind of noise a dog only hears. Bad for podcasting. This is great for podcasting. Emily Fox and I back for the fifth episode of Big Little Lies Season 2. Emily, we are here to spill the tea about Kill Me. We are. We are. A little tea fe- party happening here. How did you feel about this episode? Um, I've seen I've seen some some reactions that said that this was the best episode of the season. Really, I don't really feel that way. Personally. I don't either. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's Big Little Lies. I've, I'm really coming to a place where like Big Little Big Little Lies for me is uh, an excuse to spend time with these incredible actors every week. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say it was an excuse to spend time with me. Yeah, but <laughs> I, 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 I did say that because you're the best actor of them all. You guys should see Emily's uh, some of her early stage work from when she was uh, a child. She was one of the narrators of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat once upon a time. I might have been singing one of their songs as a sound check earlier. I also was in HMS Pinafore. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't I know was. you were in HMS Pinafore. Yeah, are you familiar with that Emily, story? did you know that I was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat twice and I like to tell everybody that every chance that I possibly can? Yeah. I was both Jacob and Joseph in separate productions. It's really not that big of a deal. You know what, though? There are more men roles in that like entire are you trying to diminish one. my dramatic uh, chops? No, my, I'm just trying to say that like very I probably powerful. wouldn't have had a great part even if I was more talented. I wish that I could have been in Avenue <laughs> Q. That would have been fun. But that would be more season one territory than season two. We were talking firmly about season two of Big Little Lies. I, I didn't think that this was uh, the best episode of the season by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was, It was uh, as, as we like to say around these parts, a little bit of a chess piece mover. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're, we're setting the deck uh, for what's coming in these final two episodes final two episodes which is a crazy thing i know to say that this is the this is the anti-penultimate episode of big little lies season two there's just two more left after this one and it feels like we're we're starting to get a little bit more clarity about what exactly is happening here what the big kind of event of the season may be it feels like it's going to be this custody battle between celeste and mary louise that may drag the lie out into the open um so that's exciting there were great moments this week some moments apparently that uh we were deprived of uh due to some decisions in the editing room hashtag missing ice cream we'll talk about that of course uh we'll talk about your feedback that you guys sent in the ways to do that as always postshowrecaps.com slash feedback or you can tweet at us at postshowrecaps you can tweet at emily she's at emlet like an omelet with an e and i am at round howard we love getting feedback from you guys and we will read all of that a little bit later into the episode. You can also subscribe to what we're doing if you have not done so already through uh, whatever podcast platform of choice you use. We have the postshowrecaps.com slash big little lies specific feed that you can subscribe to and very happy to report that we are recording this uh, on a Monday morning. So we're back on track scheduling wise, Emily. We should run into zero hiccups moving forward as we we wrap up big little lies season two um for you not not the best episode of the season for you either you would say no i mean i think it, it definitely is a chess piece uh episode it made sense you needed to see a lot of the inner parts moving in order to move forward with you know sort of wrapping up season two 
But yeah, I agree with you. It's not the most exciting. I actually liked last uh, episode better than this one. Last week's episode yeah. uh, had had the slap. So hard to, <laughs> hard to top hard to top the slap. Uh, and I'm not I'm not sure that there was like anything in terms of the Mary Louise. I was just going to ask you: Was there any the sort of like development uh, physically for you where you were like, "Wow, you this know week"? I wish I could say that like it, it was the sippage of the tea, but that was really just like kind of like in a in a totally fine way. It was a little bit more of the same. It, the scene with her and Renata, which we'll talk about. Do you think Renata had any tea in her cup? I don't know, but the, I don't think she did. The scene between Mary Louise and Renata almost felt more like, "Well, we ju- we haven't figured out how to get Laura." Dern and Meryl Streep in a scene yeah. together. So let's let's do that. It didn't feel especially revealing of either character any more so than than we already know about both of them. It almost felt uh let me know if this tracks for you. It almost felt like like Nathan and Eddie. You <laughs> know was what I mean? Just going to say, oh, it was just as necessary as Nathan and Ed crossing paths. Kind of felt that path. way. Kind of felt that way to me. I'm not mad at it. I love Laura Dern. I love Renata. I love Meryl Streep. I don't like Mary Louise, but I enjoy She's watching a compelling the character. Character. She's yeah. a compelling character. So I'm not mad at them being in the same scene together. Uh, just felt like maybe maybe we could have figured that out a little bit better. Uh, but we'll talk about that. I feel like we should almost start with the ending uh, before we get into the the rest of the episode because there are some bizarre things happening in uh, this final stretch of Big Little Lies uh, season two episode five this week where. Like Corey's a narc. Like, what's going on with with Corey? Like, the episode ends with Bonnie. She's once again walking past the police station, and she sees Corey, Jane's boyfriend, walking out of the yeah. police station. There's also some strange shenanigans happening with Ed and Joseph and Tori Bachman, where like she's coming on to him at the bar, but he's he like watching the in the distance. Yeah, what's that about? What's going on? What did you think of the ending of this episode? I mean, it certainly made you want to watch the, you know, next week's episode. I got excited about what this could possibly mean. I'm wondering if they're pulling Corey in because they've found a way to manipulate him or kind of like hold him, uh, you know, accountable. And therefore he needs to go report to the police as they continue to build this case against the Monterey five. Yeah. So they, they've discovered some very weird fishery things. Yeah. He's like not past. eating sustainable fish. And they're like, listen, we're going to call you on that. You work at the Monterey aquarium. Yeah. He's been doing illicit activities at the Monterey aquarium. <laughs> That in order, Surfing without a license. In order, to, I don't know. In order to protect himself, he's going to have to. He's going to have to narc on the Monterey Five. I was surprised by that. There was there was never really a part of me that thought that maybe there was going to be like I don't know some sort of strange Corey thing happening. Yeah, yeah. It seems a little out of left field. But then again, I guess a couple of weeks ago I said that he seemed like really really suspicious, fishy even. That he just sort of seemed like maybe he was like a little bit over eager with Jane. Yeah. Does this track with that? Maybe. I mean, that might make some sense. Either way, it's it's kind of like an in on an otherwise pretty private Jane, right? So that might be the the angle that they need for her. Because if you look at it from the perspective of all these weird things are happening, right? Renata has the bankruptcy thing happening. Um, That didn't just come out of the blue. I think that's a strategic move, right? Mary Louise filing for custody is a way in which to get everybody caught in a lie for Celeste's side of things. So maybe they figured the only angle that they had left in terms of Jane, especially since she's pretty much only friends with those women, is to go after Corey and see what he knows, right? Yeah, so maybe that they're they're leaning on him to to see what they can what they can untangle from Jane or I don't know, I got the sense like 
did Corey like it was this of Corey's own volition like did Corey go uh to the police oh to be like uh I know who raped her and it's right. this guy right and it might be helpful for you building a case that's an idea that's what I was thinking because yeah. we're, we're hopping around <laughs> rather than thinking he's a terrible guy maybe he's a really nice guy <laughs> well, we're hopping around a little bit but I think we could stay on on Jane and Corey really quickly even though it's not like the main storyline of the episode it is the big cliffhangery ending is like what the hell is up with Corey and this is what I was thinking. So earlier in the episode, we see that Jane and Corey are finally kissing. They're finally hooking up. Right. And in the midst of it, Jane isn't, you know, feeling it. She can't do it. She's, you know, getting very upset again and, and thinking back, obviously, on all the trauma that she has endured. And it seems like she opens up to him about it, right? Like, it, it seems like she she tells him, to an extent at least, what's gone on with her. Um, well, I mean, she told him in the episode prior to this, though. Right. So he, she's already told him that, but like, how how much... Maybe she, she like, really unveiled, yeah, yeah, the details of it all. And like, we don't really see like, just how much detail she has given him, but maybe, you know, he's close enough to know kind of what's going on with with Josh and Max and Celeste and their involvement in Jane and Ziggy's life and how they're all kind of connected that at a certain point if he thinks that he's being helpful um, by like trying to get some justice or something like that could he have gone to the detective to to reveal something and the revelation of that is going to uh, you know further the possibility of unraveling the lie in the next couple of episodes here that could be it you know, I mean, that's a pretty good hunch to have. I don't know. You tend to be pretty on point with not this always. Kind of thing. Definitely not always. Uh, I I just feel like I don't know. Like if if the show is going into a direction where Corey's like an undercover cop, well, no, that's stupid. I mean, it, it would align <laughs> with some of the criticisms of season two. There are certainly yeah. people who are watching season two of Big Little Lies and uh, feeling like it's not nearly uh, as strong as the first season. And even some who didn't think the first season was especially strong and really mostly just like well acted and 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 everything like that. Um, so if you're of the camp that season two is just sort of uh, a little bit sloppily put together, then I think police officer Corey, cop Corey, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I, I hope that that's not the world we're living in because that's... that's that just, would explain why he doesn't know how to use the Monterey Aquarium sustainable seafood app Yeah, when he goes to restaurants. I guess. Sorry. I, I, well, I, mean, I, I guess if you're looking for... Because like, that still boggles my mind. If no, you're I'm look, just kidding. If you're looking for <laughs> retroactive evidence, Emily, that would be it, right? Yeah, if I was building a case again against Corey. That's pretty much all I've got. Oh man. All Other right. than I think he needs a haircut too. If he if he went to the police like with with good intentions like to to help Jane but without having talked to Jane. Uh how do you think Jane will react to that? Probably not, not well, well, right? Not well. Um I think in this case everyone is so much, you know, they're they're all walking on eggshells. They're all really freaked out about a lot of the goings on that have happened in the last year or so, right? So for him to sort of entangle himself even further into this web, but in a way where he thinks he's doing well, but really, you know, revealing a lot of her private trauma to the police, especially given the circumstances of everything else, 
I can't see that being something where she's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, definitely not. Um, all right. So I, I think we can we can put a pin in that, maybe revisit it later. We've got some feedback. So I'm sure we'll talk about Corey yes. and Jane again later in the episode. But the really big storyline uh, on Big Little Lies right now continues to be Celeste versus Mary Louise, which escalated last week when Mary Louise started making active strides towards seizing custody of the boys. <laughs> and this is starting to really boil. Uh, we're getting pretty close to a, a full-blown courtroom drama here yeah. in, in Big Little Lies. Uh, what did you think of everything that was going on here as the, the lawyers are getting brought into it? Uh, Celeste seems to be less than thrilled with yeah. her person. I mean, I think that that's a natural tendency for anyone who is sort of at this like stakes, these high stakes. Um, the fact that she's really upset with her lawyer, I think is interesting because like the lawyer herself says to her, Hey, you're a lawyer. You know how this stuff works. But like in family court, you need to trust that I know what I'm doing here. I'm a professional. You know, we don't speak. We don't say anything, you know. And I think that that actually is pretty sound advice, given the fact that Mary Louise is again trying to manipulate this situation as she is with every single person she seems to come into contact this judge is no like stranger to this kind of behavior. And who is this judge, by the way? She's the mom from Freaks and Geeks. You were very happy about this. I know. This. I love her. This is Lindsay Weir's mother. Yeah, yeah. It's also um, Hannah Banana's mom, if yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah, that's true, yep. from uh, Girls. But anyway, so I think, you know, it's fair to assume that the judge has seen her fair share of, uh, you know, custody battles where someone's trying to paint the other person as a horrible person. And even Mary Louise trying to be kind of pointed and smart about this says, you know, I think she's been a great mother to the boys. She just needs some time on her own to get her life together. You know, like it's about the boys' best interests. Like, those are all buzzwords that I'm, I'm certain this judge and these lawyers have been privy to for a very long time. But it's, you know, the kind of thing where it does actually probably work in Celeste's favor to stay quiet to be, you know, to go along to a certain extent with the proceedings and to come across as the person who's not trying to change the narrative, right? The person who's saying, no, I am fit. I am a capable mother. And this woman is the one that we need to be watching out for, right? One of the things, you know, as I'm always trying to come up with a new thing that I love about Meryl Streep on this show, Emily, is yes. it's less about Meryl Streep specifically this time around and more about the show's use of Mary Louise that I think kind of feeds into some of what you're talking about here, which is with all of the different main characters with the Monterey Five, we've been alone with them before. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. we, we've had moments where it's just them and they're running or they're driving or they're, you know, whatever other emotion they're going through. We've seen them wrestle with it privately. We're invited into their head spaces. We're invited into their points of view. We're trying to understand how they're processing, not just the big lie, but all the other little ways that their lives are crumbling uh, right now and all of the other imperfections that they are seeing in their existences. Uh, we're treated to that um, with Mary Louise. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever been alone with her. 
Yeah. I think every single scene we've seen with Mary Louise has been with another character. And, and one of the only things that came to mind as a bit of an exception uh, was... They're eating were, the bad pizza with the twins? Well, no. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's with other characters there. And I mean, I think if you, you... You may not count Josh and Max as main characters, so I would grant you that. But those are perspectives that um, are easily uh, manipulated. Yes. And the only other person who isn't a main character that we have seen Mary Louise with is uh, Dennis O'Hare, the lawyer, uh, the vampire king of Louisiana. Uh, he's the only <laughs> other. He's the only character we've seen her share the screen with. Otherwise, it's always with one of the Monterey Five, and or I, like that real estate agent, or the real estate to. agent. But yeah. I think that you you see her in connection to the Monterey Five yeah. in those scenes every single time. Um, so because of that. We are we are at arm's length from her. Like, and she makes it that, that point, too, where she never reveals anything about herself. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I feel like that's a very deliberate choice to to make us, you know, very wary of her, very suspicious of her, very afraid of her. And there's a couple of different ways I could feel that paying off, um, one of which is sort of, you know, what we're all expecting. And that's Mary Louise is a monster. And just how much of a monster is she? Maybe we're about to find out like just how much she's manipulating this situation where she does like try and like vouch in her way for Celeste in front of the judge. She's not a bad mother. She's a good person. Mm -hmm. And she's just really trying to get this situation so combustible so that it breaks and she's able to get full blown custody over all of the boys. Like if Jane is revealed to have been a part of Perry's death, then she's going to be able to get Ziggy as well. Uh, So if, if she is is really a very powerful manipulator. Uh, I, I keep saying if she's like a little finger type, like if she is somebody who is like almost more at home in Westeros than she is in Monterey, like if she is somebody who, if she has her eye on the Iron Throne and the Iron Throne being getting the people who killed her son arrested and thrown in jail and her getting custody of, of, over her grandchildren, then we may see something like that. And, and us being restricted from knowing the full extent of Mary Louise really helps to feed that. The other possibility Possibility, which I don't want to entertain too much because she's been so awful, is that some other shoe will drop where we will we will see her in a totally different light. Like we will eventually be treated to a more private, personal moment with Mary Louise that will help us understand her, that will give her some complexity. Do I think, think it's possible because Meryl Streep could play that. Yeah. I just feel like the way she's been written, it's going to be hard to... It's going to be hard. They're going to really have to write the hell out of that. Well, I wonder if it would be something where it's like a flashback as to how she lost her son. Right. You know, where she, you see her either be playing, you know, part of the victim or she is, you know, the perpetrator. Right. So I'm interested. I'm interested. Obviously. I'm in, uh, yeah, obviously. But I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of hope that she's just terrible. Yeah. I mean, all points. She, I mean, she's definitely terrible, but I, I kind of hope that she's just terrible. I mean, if we're already a little cartoony here in season two, let's just go all the way. Let's just make Mary. Oh, wow, Mike Bloom a, a really full, coming a, in a, a fully, a fully awful, a fully awful person. She's just so much. She's so fun to watch. Yeah. Meryl Streep is just remarkable. I'm going to be very sad when this show ends because we're not going to have weekly Meryl Streep to discuss. We'll just have to start a Meryl Streep podcast. Josh is just going to get in a car and start driving and singing the song over and over again. Which song? Ooh. Oh, gosh. I'll have like fake teeth. <laughs> Please don't. I'm gonna get. Like, I'm gonna get the very sharp glasses. You change your frames. Yeah. I mean, you've been wanting an upgrade for your glasses for a while. This could be the I inspo. Guess this could be it. So the custody battle. The <laughs> one of one of the big side effects of the custody battle is obviously there's a lot at stake for Celeste. 
uh, personally, but there's a lot at stake for the entire Monterey Five as they have their their meeting of the minds and the dead of night. Uh, you know, uh, the the bat signal goes up. And they they all meet in this like clandestine way and they talk about how this custody battle is happening and what could happen is any one of them could be dragged out as witnesses, uh, you know, basically character witnesses. And once they're on the stand, the night can be brought back up again. Uh, right. the, the night of the lie, the night of Perry's death uh, could could come back up. And Madeline or Madeline, as Renata still, <laughs> I love that so still much. loves calling her. Madeline says, uh, all right, so what's the big deal? We just stick to the story. We just stick to the lie. And I think it's Renata who says, babe, that's perjury. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different bargain uh, ball game at, at that point that we're, you know, we're actually like lying under oath. And if you're cross examining deal. that many people, there are going to be holes in the story. You know, if, if the story isn't true, right. Or it's going to sound so rehearsed that everyone's going to have even more suspicion around it. And, you know, it's just kind of a lose lose. I think, I mean, this was just an aspect of the custody battle stuff that I hadn't even really taken into account that this could be the way to drag the lie into the light of day. Well, don't you think that that's what Mary Louise and like the detective maybe talked about? Do we know that Mary Louise and the detective have talked though? Yeah. She showed up and she's like, you know, my son probably didn't slip and fall. Right. And there's still just like, you know, we, we had said, that's what I'm saying about building a case, right? Renata gets hit with a bankruptcy thing. Uh, You know, Celeste gets hit with a custody case. Corey's talking to the police. Like these aren't just coincidences. Yeah, oh, you know God. they're all in such big trouble. And then the detective made Bonnie's mom have a stroke. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> but like there, are, you know, there are too many things that are sort of surrounding all of this to not think to yourself, okay, someone's pulling the strings on these puppets, right? Like there's something bigger happening here. Yeah. Do you think season two is going to end with the Monterey Five in jail? I, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, could they all go to jail for this? Yeah. Potentially, right? I mean, isn't that possible? I mean, I'm no legal expert. Antonio, if you're listening, you can let us know like how steep of a how steep of a sentence these people or do you think might be looking at what they've done? Uh, will somebody flip? Will somebody rat yeah. out the others? I mean, I don't know. It's, Bonnie keeps going up to the police. Station. I know What's she should really stop do? showing up personally, like outside, She's like drowning. That. Yeah, she drowning. Is. Um, so, I mean, obviously this is set up for next week's episode. If you've seen the right. preview, which we'll, we won't dive into too much because I think that the previews can be a little spoilery. So we'll, we'll withhold some of that. Uh, but it does look like we'll, we'll start getting into some of the courtroom stuff. Do you uh, think it would have been smart for Celeste to settle per her attorney's, you know, suggestion? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't blame her at all because Mary Louise is horrible. And to like give her the weekends with the kids you know, is just like further succumbing to the abuse. Yeah. You know, and she doesn't want to be victimized anymore. She wants to to own her life. She wants to take it back. Yeah. Uh, she's having such a hard time. So awful. The conversation at the dinner table with the kids. And I, I can't tell the difference between Josh and Max. But <laughs> but one of them says, like, you stop being such a bitch. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And Celeste is like, you cannot talk to me like that. Were you saying that when you were a second grader? Not to your mom, obviously. No. But like, did you know what the word bitch was? Uh, probably. Probably. I didn't. Probably. I had an older brother. I remember thinking the word fart was a swear word <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to say it. <laughs> uh, fart's still funny, though. Yeah, it is. You know, and I say all, it these, all the time. All these years later, fart still starts. It still lands. Still lands pretty well. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so Celeste is just going through a hard time, and and this hard time is is going to to spill out over onto everybody. Uh, Renata, who is obviously already dealing, everyone's going through a hard time with her stuff. Yeah, yeah but I think it's a it, you know a lot of this week is about Celeste versus Mary Louise. Yeah, but it briefly becomes Renata versus Mary Louise, where Renata is like to Celeste, they're having their meeting in in Renata's office. She's like, I really think you should let me have a crack at her. I Which think you should just let me take a sense. crack at Mary Louise. Everybody else has had a scene with Meryl Streep, <laughs> and I really need to get that one in for myself. Yeah. And then that doesn't work out so well. It doesn't work out so well. It really does feel to me like, you know, we just need to get Laura Dern and Meryl Streep together at the same time, which I'm not mad about. I'm not no. mad about. But I, I thought that. And and I'm I guess I'm of a couple minds on this. Uh, is it in character or out of character for Renata to have set up the tea party at her house? Because Renata's house is, uh, as Mary Louise is fond of pointing out, it is it's very large with a, a, a notable lack of furniture at the moment, and that is all thanks to the bankruptcy. So is Renata, does she just kind of have such blinders about her situation and everything that's going on that she still wants to own the space, she still wants to own the meeting at her house like as some kind of a power move where she's not even thinking about I mean, the lack of furniture or, or what? Because for me, like it also feels like wasn't this a blind spot? You're giving Mary Louise something to you're, you're showing vulnerability to Mary Louise and you're so smart. And like, this isn't something that you would do. I just felt like the setting of it was kind of uh, like, like that to me just like felt like this is not where this conversation well, I think, would happen. I think Renata in general is going through a loss of power. So maybe this is one way where she feels like she has control over a situation that otherwise feels like it's spiraling. Like she just found out earlier in the day that she no longer is going to be featured on like San Francisco magazines, like top women or whatever. Right. Yeah. So like power 100. Or yeah. Maybe this is a way in which she's just trying to relinquish any sort of control over her life. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know what? I've got a lot of energy and I can't, <laughs> Obviously, not use it towards anything else, right? I Other than taking Amabella out of school when the boys are, you know, suspended, and we're going to have a fun mother daughter day, which there is are very times, random, but like whatever. There are times when this season does feel like it's just like doing bits over from season one, like when uh, Renata's assistant or the messenger, as she identifies herself, she's like, "Don't shoot the messenger." Comes in, gives her the news, and Renata's kind of just chewing on it, and then like she keeps like trying to be like, "I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry about this. Like, what else can I?" do and Renata like has the the whole like I said thank you like she has like that <laughs> moment again right where she's like I said it's fine <laughs> so there's like I don't know there there are some times where season two really does feel like just season one with a new wash which I guess is you know most shows listen but I I'm not mad at that I'm not mad at it because Laura Dern is so funny but yeah. that, that's what I mean it's like and the, I love a sudden angry outburst like that so the joy of big little eyes for me at this point is just watching these actors do their thing I thought that that was hysterical yeah um, totally but she's obviously very upset like you say and she's she's out of sorts and stuff and uh i don't know i just i felt like the the moment that mary louise shows up at renata's house didn't you just kind of feel like you knew exactly how this was gonna go of course like mary louise like all right i'm gonna find some way to make fun of you for being bankrupt and and renata you're gonna immediately lose all your cool as you've said you have none and gordon's gonna be drinking wine in a room that used to have trains yeah and you know he had a bottle of wine out already and everybody else is drinking tea like you know, cool it, Gordon. Gordon's a day drinker. Yeah, clearly. He's always he always has been. Yeah. 
loves loves himself a good day drink. Not on like a Tuesday though. Bad call, man. Did you like the scene with uh, Renata and Amabella where uh, uh, Amabella is clearly concerned about her mom and the concern with the money? And Renata's like, it's not everything isn't about money. I mean, it well, is. Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was you know obviously sparked from her conversation with Mary Louise, who's like, wow, you said you know you work so hard and. And then you miss these play dates and, yeah. and you sacrifice all this time for what? A screening room? A screening Maybe room. Maybe a boat? And so I think that that's obviously stuck in her craw. And she's like, okay, so we're going to have like a cool mother-daughter day. Mm-hmm. And like everything's fine. Money's not everything. Money is everything. But like let's relax and like swim in the pool. I mean, I think that that's kind of sweet in a weird kind of screwed up way. Uh, <laughs> but that is sort of like a touching moment before I think the you know shit hits the fan for everybody next episode right totally um how about madeline and ed and everything that's going on we talk about this couples retreat that like clearly did not work out the way they wanted it to what is this what is this i mean i guess madeline had been talking about it the episode before that it was like this thing where you go away into the woods and you mingle with other couples that are going through their stuff uh, and she's kind of like trying to describe it to to Ed. I just love the the striking contrast in even how everyone's dressed versus Matt, uh, Madeline, Madeline and Ed. Ed. Like they're wearing like spandex and like, you know, running clothes and everybody else is wearing linen and tunics. And <laughs> the I just don't I don't know. And listen, you if you know me at all, you know that I, I'm a I'm a hugger. I like to hug. I, I am a, a huggy kind of guy. Uh, this is just, this is not your element. This, but I'm, but I'm also like, yeah, I, I, I have intense stranger danger. Uh, I get very feared of the new people. I will say that I don't think anything bad was going to happen to them when they were in like the coastal Big Sur like retreat. Center. Well, nothing like they're they're probably safe physically, uh, but the you don't like the idea of hovering around just ooh, hugging somebody for an inhale ooh, and exhale length. Ooh, yeah, the existential angst and dread. Yeah, uh, I felt it. I felt Either it way, deeply. I think that this was a, a kind of funny moment of both of them laughing for a second, but then like sitting back down and being like, no, we haven't solved anything to walk around like a like a small room filled with strangers with the express design <laughs> of you are going to find one with whom you respond and you are going to target that person. You are going to give them this hug for the for the length of a deep breath in and out Uh I would like retreat to the to the darkest corner of the room instantly. That is that is, like icebreaker type situations, nightmare fuel for me. Don't you remember the icebreaker from college though? Yeah, I do, and I don't want to revisit that here. Emily and I went to college together. For those who don't know, we were in the same dorm our freshman, freshman year. year. We didn't date until junior year though. Yeah, threw, so we were there during shoes into the middle. Yeah, everyone takes one shoe off and this throws is the, it into this the, is the middle. Beginning of freshman year, and then obviously you pick a different shoe. You find the person who owns that shoe you learn like three things about them two truths and a lie i think no i think you just learned one thing uh, no i, I thought it was two truths was it and two a lie. Tr- oh it was two truths and a lie That's and then right. you yeah. had to report that to the whole circle of people and we right. all went around and talked about the new person we met right i forgot whose shoe i got but the person who got my shoe ended up becoming one of my very best friends uh but i made w- 
quite the weird impression on on Sweet Becky, uh, who, who who took my shoe. And she goes, okay, so what's your name? I go, oh, it's Josh Wiggler. She goes, Wiggler. I go, yeah, you know, like Wiggler, as I did like a little dance, a little wiggle dance. Yeah. Uh, and then we all circled back up after I've told her my two truths and a lie. Uh, and uh, it gets to Becky's turn to introduce me. And she said, yeah, his last name's Wiggler. He does a little dance. And so then I had to do a little wiggle dance. Yeah, in front of I remember that vaguely in the circle, and it was mortifying. Oh, oh my gosh! So like this scene with the hugs kind of reminded me of that. Of just like any situation like that just gives me the ickies. I don't like. I'm like my body right now is contorting in a way where I'm. Yeah, just, I mean you really are going uh, through it right now. Uh, are you okay? No, I'd reach out and pat you on the back, but I feel like that wouldn't be helpful in this moment. Wouldn't be great. The two truths and a lie. I'd forgotten about that. I obviously baked in the fact that I have webbed toes uh, into that equation because that wow, seems you're like really it would be a lie. A lot right now. But the truth is, folks, I do have webbed toes. Just like one spot. It's a, it's a spot, but technically they're webbed toes. Yeah. One, thank, shout out to my mom for giving me those. If, yeah. you're, if you're listening, Didi. Uh, other than that, they both like get out of the thing and they're like, "Yo, that was terrible." And they can laugh about it, and then that laugh is quickly stifled by the tension that exists between the two of them. Still, yes. Uh, as like you know, Madeline pulls the car over, and they talk about everything that's gone on. And Ed basically breaks it down as uh, you've left me with you know, you know, I, you basically were were profiling me, you know, from the moment we first met would i be a good dad would i be stable i made my peace with that that you weren't going to do anything like as like some kind of like intense hot love affair type of thing you weren't looking for that i made my peace with that but you've left me with this terrible choice you made the decision to to stray from our marriage and you've left me with the worst choice of all which is either to walk away or stay with somebody who i can't trust anymore yeah uh and she gets into the conversation about how she has like this feeling that she has like this self-destructive streak and that she feels like she's self-sabotaging and she, you know, she's, she doesn't understand why she, you know, she thinks like, do I hate myself? What's the reason that I'm doing this? I don't know why, but I, and I can't promise you that I'm never going to screw up again. Cause I feel like I probably will, but I won't be unfaithful again. Like that's not, I'll find a new way to screw up. That's what she says. feels like it was the, 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 the most honest moment between them in a while. Yeah. Like it felt like this was a sign of progress. Maybe, so maybe sort this of. was a good couple's retreat after all. It just required them being, you know, in a weird scenario first and then actually breaking it down and getting into the nitty gritty of it all. Um, yeah, except for the fact that Ed's going to have a threesome at the yeah, end of the so, episode. Yeah, so like what is going on? Yes. Yeah, so I don't understand this. I don't, I don't get it either, but like by the end of the episode, he's at a bar and Tori Bachman is there. and She's wearing another low cut shirt. She's, she's showing off the goods. It's just weird. And, I don't understand it. And, like, is this supposed Isaac to be Mendes therapeutic? Is at the other end of the bar, and he's staring him down. I mean, we're, we're certain that was him, them. right? He that was definitely him. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just uh, so strange. I don't understand what's going on here. Maybe he thinks that like the three of them plus Madeline can do it together. I don't think that that's what's happening. <laughs> I just don't know. I have no idea. It was so odd. It was yeah. so strange. Maybe within like the Bachman marriage, they're probably dealing with oh, some stuff as like well. Oh, maybe it's like some weird therapeutic thing where they're like, I think it'll feel better if I see, if you see me do this. Like maybe like what Joseph and Tori have gotten to is like, you can, you can 
get one over on me because I slept with Madeline. But so only you if could, I watch? But you got to sleep with Ed. That doesn't... And I got to watch it. Yeah, I got to watch so it go down. I don't get this. I don't feel like Ed's going to be into it is my guess, but But he maybe. seemed to be smiling. He seemed like... No, I felt like... I don't know. I felt like he was like kind of weirded out by the whole thing, but maybe I misread it. I don't know. Well... I know I felt weird. <laughs> I felt odd about the whole thing. Very clearly you did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people were probably like, whoa, what's happening it's like, here? What is this? What's all this? I don't know. So we'll find out what's going on with yeah, that. Yeah, I guess we will. Talk about Bonnie. Yeah. Uh, some, Let's talk about Bonnie. Some intense Bonnie action this week. Uh, the title of this episode, Kill Me, uh, it comes from uh, Crystal Fox. Yes. It comes from Bonnie's mom. Uh, Still not doing so great. Awake, though, able to speak here and there. A little bit, right? And, like, yeah. she she tells Bonnie's father that she's worried about Bonnie is basically what she conveys to him. Uh, I mean, that's no surprise either way, though. That was kind of the her MO to begin with. Um, but we see a lot of flashbacks of Bonnie with her mom, presumably when her mom was, in, you know, battling alcoholism, I guess. Yes. Um, a lot of, like, sort of disagreement, violent sort of like shaking or, you know, grabbing of Bonnie as a kid and dad's nowhere to be found, which kind of gets brought up later in the episode when she's conducting a sleep apnea class. <laughs> yeah. What? I forget the song that they're, that they're singing. Uh, Chicago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <That's> um, <laughs> so I think that that's interesting. If you leave me now, yeah, <laughs> that might be some undertone there that we're supposed to glean, you know, as in terms of a theme. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she has this altercation or sort of, you know, rundown with her dad where he shows up and says, you know, we need to do something. Your mom's going to be moved to rehab, but she needs more help. She needs more care. And she's like, oh, wow, you're really getting involved. That's a first. Yeah. Because she says, like, you never protected me. Maybe you stopped things from getting a little worse sometimes. Uh, but you never protected me. Uh, there's like two really uh, tough encounters between them. There's the one at the at the class and then the one when she goes home to find the gift that Nathan has gotten for her, which is a treadmill Jesus. when she loves running outside. Yeah. I it's mean, a way to go, buddy. <laughs> I don't understand their coupling. I don't get it either. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. To me, you know, it just doesn't really make sense to me either. Uh but her dad comes home. She's th- he's there because Nathan wants to to you know stand watch uh, for Bonnie's mom. The one good thing he does in this episode and give uh, give uh, Bonnie's father a little bit of a break. And Bonnie's father like comes back like he's had some time to think about this. Obviously, like, I did protect you, and she really doesn't want to have the conversation anymore. Uh, I was at the at the time I was a little afraid of where this was going to go. Honestly, like, or I th- like he was going to get violent. Yeah, I thought I like felt like a little bit of physical uh, danger. Obviously, it didn't go that way. But that was sort of just like the, the the weight of what was happening in that moment. Maybe it's because I've seen the actor Martin Donovan play like bad guys before. I so, just remember him from Saved where he's not particularly threatening. I've just seen him play like threatening people before. And I kind <laughs> of felt like maybe that's where we were going. Fair enough. But he, he does say like. You know, your mom spoke enough to like let me know that she's very. She says you're drowning, and I'm and I'm worried about you. And Bonnie, who's been trying to play it cool recently and really try and like calm things down and and get back to center, does seem to rattle her a little bit. Not not only that, we know that she'll go to the you know at least walk by the police station by the end of the episode, right? But earlier in the episode, she does like she's touching her mom, and she does have like one of those flashes. So I don't know. And then I guess there's like supernatural dreams. <laughs> even. 
type of bullshit. As on you just wander off discussing this. Lies. Yeah, no, I mean, there there are obviously these thematic ideas of water and Bonnie not doing well. And like she's seeing it herself, not just, you know, her mom having visions, but she's starting to understand it, too. So that obviously leads us to believe that she really is drowning in some capacity, whether it be emotionally, spiritually or physically later on in the uh, season. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where all that's going. <laughs> you just don't know what to say. About I don't this, know. Do you? It's just <laughs> get that off my big little eyes. I don't okay. know. Depends on where it all lands. I big suppose. little guys. I don't know. It's, it's it's speaking of big little guys. Ed and Nathan. We do have one more. Oh, Ed I'm, and so Nathan this, scene. I'm so over this. I'm so over this. I'm so Every over this. Every single I'm so scene with this. them is the so same freaking so scene. Every single time. Yeah, it needs to stop. And also, how do they just keep running into each other? Monterey's not that small. I mean, it's just like on his little bike. Nathan's running on the same little path. He's like, Ed, Ed, hold up. I want to tell you, like, I'm so sorry about the thing. And and it's like, Nathan, you know, just stop it. We just don't like each other. And Nathan just does his Nathan thing. He's like, why do you have to be such an a-hole? Why do you have to always such be such a little prick? Like, it always escalates so quickly to that thing, to that yeah. exact place every yeah. single time. And then the, the specter of physical violence is raised every single time. And then Ed bikes away on his little bike and Nathan grumbles privately grumbling Nathan style. It's like they took the one scene where this happened in, in the first season. And they were like, you know what? We need you know a little we need filler. A thousand more versions of that exact scene. Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. They're sort of like the unneeded glue between like more important things. It's not. It, I don't need it. Okay. I don't want it anymore. Right. It's okay. Where is it going? Josh, it's going to be really, right. I'm so worried that there's going to be something very important that happens between Ed and Nathan. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to take it seriously hey, because hey, it's okay. This is so you know slapsticky. What? Let's move on. Slaps uh, leads me to beat downs, which leads me to uh, Ziggy and the boys. Oh, right. Taking down the bully. Yeah. Do we think that bully was fed those lines? Because how do little kids know some of this stuff? Uh, yeah, I think that that's possible. He was but, coached? You know, it's also possible. What's his name? Brian McPherson? I don't know. what Was that his name? Yeah. Really? <laughs> wow, that really uh, stuck, in, uh, stuck in your mind. I, I was sitting there and I was like, I feel like I knew someone named that. That so that's dastardly Brian McPherson. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a piece of work. This kid. Do we know a McPherson in this uh, story? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. Uh, right. If you want to? I mean, you're human IMDb. If you don't remember, then no, I don't think I'm not. I'm, I think not I'm not fantastic with character names on on this show specifically. Like we were just talking the other week about how much I liked uh, the principal. I've already forgotten his name. Oh yeah, Mr. Principal. Mr. Principal. <laughs> Otter Bay Principal. Brian yeah. McPherson. Played by uh, Benjamin Plasala is the name of uh, the young actor who plays that uh, who plays that child. Uh, great bully acting, yeah. I have to say, he actually was really scary. It was great that moment where the, where where He's just the, standing there, where the being twins like, show up to him, and he's like, "Oh, so that means your dad's a rapist?" And they're like, "Don't you can't say that." And he's like, "Do something about it." It's yeah. like, "Oh my God, Brian McPherson, yeah, got You're- what was coming." So anyway, I mean, I'm not condoning uh, child on child violence, of course, but a split uh, lip is probably good to walk away with 
based on the amount of damage we that those boys could have done. We have an unspoken rule where we can warg into each other and quantum leap into each other's existences. So if I had quantum leaped into into young uh, Josh Wright's uh, perspective at this point in time, I absolutely would have fought back against Josh, Brian McPherson in that moment. This was a stretch. Uh, yeah, it takes it's quite a stretch to to <laughs> to warg your existence into into somebody else's. Uh, oh boy! All right. Well, uh, it's very so, exhausting. Okay. Uh, Bonnie's mom could tell you all about oh my gosh. it. Okay. Well, anyway, so the three boys beat up Brian uh, after he shows up and really is giving Ziggy a hard time. Everyone's suspended. Releasing all of this information, sort of saying it aloud, means a lot of people have been talking, means he's been fed these lines. We're not particularly clear on what that means. We don't know if he's been fed the lines. It could just be that, like, it's the talk of the town. Yeah. The fact that it's the talk of the town means it's going to it's going to open up pretty soon. Yeah. 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 And anyway, the boys get suspended for three days. Like Mary Louise found out because the boys are just like, oh, yeah, did you know that Ziggy's our brother? You yeah, know, like, know. who else have they just been telling? Yeah, I know. It is a little bit like, okay, here we are. Um, so that's troubling. It's troubling. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the, the recurring themes that we're watching is the boys' violence, right? Like, how violent physically are they with each other? How are they with other kids? You know, that was the entire theme of season one with Amabella being strangled randomly. So seeing this sort of escalate towards other kids, even if they were provoked in a way, um, you know, is something to keep an eye on. And I think Celeste is very concerned about that for obvious reasons. I think, you know, Jane is starting to realize, okay, Ziggy is part of a threesome now of little boys that are like fierce children of Perry. And, you know, could he... You know, you know, when she goes, you know, Ziggy, what happened? And he's like, well, I don't remember. I don't know. Whereas in season one, he was very forthcoming with her. Right. Well, he's dealing with some hard, yeah. hard, hard news for hard anyone truths. to get at any age. But, right. you know, to process as but a you, you know, boy. and Jane's always kind of looked at him, you know, just for a moment or two being like, huh, I wonder if he could end up having any of those qualities. And Ziggy even brings that up in this episode where he goes. You know, am I going to grow up to be like my father? And she goes, no, 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 no. You're going to be a strong, handsome, you know, smart, funny little bo- like man. Like you don't have to worry. You're going to turn into your dad. But that is, I think, one of those things where everyone's sort of holding their breath, being like, all right, how does this manifest into our kids? Right. How think, does it carry yeah, down? I think the show at least really wants us to engage with that. So uh, I, I think TBD on exactly how that'll shake out for, for Ziggy alongside Josh and, and Max. So we're rooting for all these kids. There is a protective quality to the twins too, though, when Celeste is telling them, you know, if someone's going to show up, they want to kind of take stock in what we're up to. And they're like, what do you mean? Grandma she, wants to take you. And they're yeah. like, no. And they're like, do you want us to say we don't want to go with her? Do you want us to lie? Like, we'll protect you, which I think is so like touching and really upsetting and sad to have to like hear that from your like second grader. Right. Yeah. Um, but probably pretty on the mark in terms of how some of these things end up playing out in real life. Um, but I think Celeste is also like, I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to say anything bad about grandma. You know, just tell the truth. You want to live with me? Yep. You can say that. Yeah. All right, we've got a bunch of feedback to get through. Before we get to feedback, 
Emily Fox. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode of the Wig Little Lies podcast. And Emily, we have some new friends here we on do. Wig Little Lies. The lovely folks over at Sunbasket. Yeah, someone got the memo that I like food. Yeah, someone got the memo that Emily Fox likes food. And if you are listening to this podcast, then you like food as well. No matter what you like to eat, Sunbasket makes it easy. They have paleo, carb-conscious, gluten-free, Mediterranean, diabetes-friendly, and vegan meal plans. Whatever you're into. Choose from 18 weekly recipes. Everything you need to eat clean and healthy. Sunbasket sends you organic produce and clean ingredients right to your door to create your own dishes from their recipes, such as shrimp pad thai with rice noodles and sugar snap peas, or Hawaiian locomoco with teriyaki chicken and fried eggs. Uh, and we speaking of Hawaiian, uh, we we made some Sunbasket meals uh, the other week. We had some Hawaiian garlic shrimp. We did, and you got to take your hand at the stove. Listen, so everybody who who listens to Emily and I banter, or many of you, perhaps you don't, and if, if this is an underreported story, let's report the story out. Yes. Emily is a gourmand. She oh, is, wow. She is, I did not expect this kind of introduction. She is, she is a, a master of food studies, a That's graduate yes. from New York University's food studies master's program, recent graduate. So Thank proud. You. I'm so proud of Emily Fox. Thank uh, you. And even before she got her master's, you were, um, you've always been a master of the kitchen lifelong. Yeah. You are, you are definitely que- queen of the ring in that regard. Uh, your boy, Josh Wiggler, not so much. <laughs> Big fan of the eating of the food. Uh, very tentative, hesitant, afraid in the kitchen. I think that you have the skills. You just need to hone that. Intimidated. Uh, but I, I took a, I took a spin at this. I, I, I took this, this Hawaiian garlic shrimp from Sun Basket for a spin. It was really good. Yeah, you did a really good job. I actually. did a really good job with it. it had coconut rice. Uh, it takes about like twenty to thirty minutes to make, according to Sun Basket. I think we, we landed somewhere within that range. So it was really easy to do. Uh, they have step by step directions for you, and everything is prepackaged, so they make it really, really easy. It and was really easy for me. Too, which is- Great. It was really great, really, really tasty. We had a really good dinner the other night, and I was very proud to have been the person uh, to to cook this meal and for Emily to to like not even like play nice. I didn't think. I think you were like, "This is really good." Yeah, I was impressed, and I ate it out of love for the dish and you, not just love for you. Yes. So right now, Sun <laughs> right now Sun Basket has a special promotion for post show recaps listeners for up to sixty dollars off, thirty dollars off your first two deliveries. It's a pretty great deal if it means putting meal planning on autopilot. One of the other great things about Sunbasket is you can get in on some lunch planning because Sunbasket offers up five-minute salad mixes for an easy lunch that's going to help you eat clean and feel great. Sunbasket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home. No matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, in my case, not a lot. <laughs> Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep, and you can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in as little as 15 minutes. So put meal planning on autopilot with this special offer. Go to sunbasket.com slash post to get up to $60 off. Visit sunbasket.com slash post to learn more about this limited time $60 off special. One more time if you need to jot it down. That's sunbasket.com slash post. Emily, feedback. You ready? Emily, feed me. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm so hungry. I know. I'm really hungry after we talked about I'm that. I'm <laughs> so hungry. I'm so hungry. I want more of that shrimp. I know. Um, Emily, we're getting into the feedback. Yes. And uh, we have feedback from you 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Post Show Recaps Twitter account. Uh, we, we put out the call for feedback for this episode of Big Little Lies, and the first person to respond was Emily Fox. Sorry, I sometimes I just have to say something. Emily Fox, who asked... you see something or you don't see something, you say something. Emily Fox says, what happened to Tom and his charming seaside coffee shop? I mean, it's a fair question, everyone. It was followed up by the great Nancy Greenshields, who responded, justice for Tom. Seriously? Yeah. You think maybe that's why Corey's talking to the police? Last time there was a charming young man here who met all of the women. He disappeared. Or maybe Corey's like, I killed a guy. Oh, God, he killed Tom. I killed a guy. fed him to the sharks. That's a better mystery, I I think. I fed him to the fishes so I could get closer to Jane. I can't keep it a secret anymore. This isn't a sustainable secret. It was so bad. He served, he served me burnt coffee and I didn't like it and I threw him in the fish tank. I would blame Gordon, actually. You'd blame Gordon for that, yeah. yeah so he maybe threatened Gordon threatened to chase Tom out of town. It seems like it worked. More likely, <laughs> I bet you that the cafe they filmed at was like, we don't want to do this again. This was really disruptive to our business. Yeah, maybe. But then they could have just had Tom work at a different cafe. No, Tom could have opened another spot. I don't know. A shack. We just needed Corey in the mix uh, this season. Nancy continues with a, with an actual question. She says, is Corey a cop? And we, we fielded this a little bit at the yeah. start of the episode. What are the odds that this is Detective Corey? If he is, then he's great at undercover. The Monterey undercover. Do you think that's possible? Maybe. What Do you actually think that Corey could be a cop? I feel like Monterey doesn't have a lot of crime. So probably not. Well, they did just have a, a killing. Yeah, but like that's like one of those fluke things that happens in a town where like usually things like this don't happen, which is probably why it's getting the airtime it's getting. The great Antonio Mazzaro uh, had had written to us and said the Mueller investigation was less of an operation than the whole Perry Stare affair, which is very funny and absolutely uh, probably not accurate, uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but a great hyperbolic way uh, of, of putting putting uh, you know words to the idea that. Yeah, this is an elaborate sting, especially if Corey's a cop. Yeah. Like if this investigation has budget for a, like an undercover that they can infiltrate the Monterey Aquarium and can cozy up to Jane and get some information from Jane. This is just it's just too much. And they were like, Detective, you need to go on your like Nicorette because like you can't be walking around smoking anymore. We need you for the long haul. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So so bizarre. So bizarre. You do wonder what's the extent of the investigation. I'm excited to see what the turn is on everything. And uh, once the once the veil is lifted on all this secrecy, uh, maybe as soon as next week, it's, it's not impossible that we'll get like That's most true. of the answers in the in two the episodes left. So two episodes left. Jennifer wrote in and said, I can't wait to see Celeste rise up and fight back against Mary Louise. Squash her like a bug. Fire your lawyer. Where are you at with that, Emily? Uh, should should Celeste fire her lawyer? Lawyer or is her lawyer right on the money? And she's like, just keep it cool, Celeste. Rain it in. I think she does need to keep it cool. I mean, let let Mary Louise tire herself out by talking in circles and thinking that she's doing a great job manipulating, whereas like it's pretty clear that she's trying to manipulate in this situation. Yeah. That being said, I think if I were in Celeste's position and I was this upset and hot-headed as I expect I would be, if like I was like potentially losing custody of my children, I would probably feel the same way she does where she's like, why aren't you talking? Why aren't you fighting? Like, come on, do this. So I don't know. I I feel like we haven't seen enough interaction with the lawyers yet. I mean, it's not like uh, the vampire King is like 
you know, talking so much and being that brutal to her too, which we might see next, uh, next episode. I don't know. Speaking of Mary Louise, uh, the great Brent, the shower man had sent us an article, uh, about a scene that did not quite make it into this episode of big little lies. It sort of did. Uh, it's Madeline and Abigail. They're on the streets. They run into Mary Louise, Madeline and Abigail are enjoying some ice cream cones. And there's a little bit of a, a tense, like, you know, Mary Louise, I just think you're the worst. And I think what you're doing is completely unconscionable and all this stuff. And Mary Louise just kind of goes like, yep, I got to go. And she keeps walking by. And there's a version of this scene that apparently ends with Madeline throwing her ice cream cone at Mary Louise. It was filmed. There's pop shots, paparazzi shots of the filming of this. You mean pap shots? Pap shots. Ew. Yeah, I think pop shots <laughs> sounded better. Sorry. I, th- I think pap shots sounds markedly worse. It sounds painful. It doesn't sound great. Um, yeah, I think that's a perfectly good waste of ice cream, so I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Even well, I mean, they filmed happen. it, so it's, yeah. a, it's a bigger waste of ice cream because we didn't get Sad. to see it. How many takes do you think she had? Uh, I don't know. Mary Louise uh, getting, getting uh, Mary, Meryl Streep getting pegged with ice cream. She's, she's probably game to do it as many times as you need to get the take right. Oh, I'm get really right hungry take. again. That's the, the mark of a, of, a, of a legendary, iconic, award-winning actress. True. Well, I'm disappointed we didn't get to see it on the big screen, but I think it's a funny story. In our hearts, we can imagine uh, the version of that scene that ended with ice cream all over the back of Mary Louise's head, which would have been my answer for my favorite thing about uh, her physical appearance for this episode. (laughs) This episode. Uh, Michael J. Clark had asked us what song we would choose uh, to teach a sleep apnea class with. It's a Chicago song, Saturday in the Park, obviously. Well, I'm trying to figure out, like, is it supposed to be something where it, like, relaxes your your throat or something? And mm-hmm. you're, like, lying down and opening up your, like, you know, vocal cords more? I just... I'm Cotton not, Eye Joe by Redneck. Stop it. We're not talking about Cotton Eye Joe. Do Haas by Romstein. Josh. These are just a couple of ideas that I've had. These are just a few of my amazing thoughts. These are the things in my Jeep. <laughs> I don't know. I would probably pick something. I would say Chasing Waterfalls. Chasing Waterfalls is good. Yeah, that's like a really good one. Like a good drone of like different notes. Everyone knows the words. Don't know the words. What about the Macarena? Macarena would be tough. I feel like that's like really like an agitator before you go to sleep. That would be tough. Yeah. Uh, Bugaboo. (laughs) Stop. You make me want to throw my pager out the window along with my sleep apnea. That's my that's my suggestion. Oh my gosh! I think that that would be good. Uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick says, "Who sent the bully after Ziggy?" There's no way that kid wasn't coached and prepped with that info. Emily, you just brought that up as yeah, well before yeah. we got into feedback. Well, if that's the case, it's Mary Louise or the detective, but the detective coaching up the kid doesn't make sense. Yeah, that feels a little dirty. How does Mary Louise get to the kid and coach him up? I don't know. I don't know Like if he's coached up and prepped. I really think it could be as simple Maybe she as, showed up and brought him a bunt cake like she did at the car- <laughs> pumpkin carving contest yeah. or whatever. Brian McPherson, famous for loving bunt cakes. I mean, so that kid known, looks like he could polish off a bunt. There's a very known thing about uh, Brian McPherson. No? No. Okay. Wait, did you say something that, that was funny that I missed? No, it's it's not funny. Oh, gosh. I was just laughing about bunt cakes. Well, bunt cakes are very funny. I know. And delicious. Yeah, they are. Leo Rule Forever. I should make one. Leo Rule Forever wrapping up the feedback <laughs> with, uh, you know somebody is going to crack under oath. Who will it be? Uh, all right. So the Monterey Five likely are all going to be on stand during this uh, trial, uh, or at least they're all susceptible to it. 
Uh, do we think that all five of them are going to take the stand at some point in this next episode, first of all? I think probably they will. I have to imagine that I bet you it's going to be the undoing of Madeline. I was going to say, Madeline has already had kind of the public meltdown. Yeah, and being put on the spot, being the one who wants to stick to the lie so strongly might be the one that gets caught and tangled in the untangling of the lie, if that makes sense. I know. I think they're all going to crack. Yeah, they probably will. I think they're all going to crack. I think everybody's primed to crack. Madeline has had that already happen to her earlier in the season. Uh, Renata has already been in court this season and has envisioned everybody in the room laughing at her. If that happens again, she's just going to lose it. She's going to blow her top. I also think one thing we haven't really mentioned at all, but we're starting to see a pattern of is like everyone's sleeping every night and they wake up from like the nasty dream of like the actual death replaying. Right. 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 And we see each individual character kind of wake up at the beginning of each episode. So everyone's under just tremendous amount of pressure here. How could they not want to just come clean? You know, I think Madeline's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm compartmentalizing. But like everybody else is like, oh, no, like this isn't good, especially after they all met on the beach and talked about this. Yeah. Well, I think that they would be incentivized to not want to talk about it because of the legal ramifications. But I think that they're just they're so up against the edge that who knows where it's going to go. So who knows indeed, Emily Fox, but we will find out. Uh, in short order, as we are getting close to the end of the line here on Big Little Lies Season 2, next week is Episode 6. It's called The Bad Mother. What do you think about that? I think that that could there's there's going to be what accusations. Does it mean? Of, there are a lot of bad moms in this. But there's think also, about they're it. They're great moms. That, you know, parenting is complicated. <laughs> And lots of complicated things. So the bad mother, who is that going to be? If it's going to be about the trial, is it going to be something that is said about Celeste? Uh, is it like Celeste going to be like, I'm not the bad mother. Ugh. You know, is that what it's going to be? With her like slightly Australian accent kicking in. It did kick in a little bit oh, this week. It does every week. It does a couple of times. It's like, come on. It's happened a couple of times. I know. So I, I'm see. a big like accent like nerd. You have a you have an ear. I have an ear for it. And for it drives it. me crazy. Drives like I, I should have been an accent coach in another life. Whoa, that would have been a cool job. I, I could do it. Listen, it's I not know too I late could. if that's what you want to do. Guys, should I do that? No, you should continue down the food path. I mean, I just got my master's. Just got your master's so degree, yeah, but like maybe, maybe after that, okay. you know, some, some point down You know, the line. I could be a jack of many traits. I guess, you know, just do what you want. Don't let me influence you. Thanks, John. Do whatever you want to what do. A supportive husband. Do whatever you want. What a nice guy. Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is the way that you can get feedback into us as we have just read so much of it. Uh, you can tweet at us as well. At Postshowrecaps is our Twitter account. Emily is at Emilette. I am at Round Howard. We'll be back next week talking about the bad mother. Subscribe to what we're doing. Postshowrecaps.com slash Big Little Lies uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to us that way. We would love your ratings, your reviews, honest feedback. Uh, we always appreciate it. We've got some Stranger Things action happening on Postshow Recaps right now. Mike Bloom and I have launched our coverage of Season 3 of Stranger Things, which is currently available in its entirety on Netflix, the show, not the podcasts. The podcasts are coming your way. A little 
little slower than that. We're doing three podcasts a week at this point. So we have podcasted through episode three of season three of eight episodes total. Uh, subscribe to postshowrecaps.com slash stranger things if you are interested in hearing those recaps. They are spoiler free. Mike and I watched an episode, recorded a podcast, watched an episode, recorded a podcast. So if you've binged the whole thing, you can listen to the podcast and laugh to yourselves at how wildly wrong Mike and I are along the way. It happens quite a bunch. Uh, and then there's times where we get it, you know, pretty, pretty accurate, which is, which is also fun. It's great. Um, well, I've lost Emily Fox. That's not true. She's on her phone and she's ready to wrap this thing up. She's just Instagramming right now. She's doing her social media thing. So I think that's our, (laughs) that's our cue. That's our cue. Hey, I'm psyched for next week. This is going to be a great way to wrap up the show the next two weeks. Next week is going to be great. We've got two more episodes of Big Little Lies. The podcast is going to go on for a week beyond that. We'll do a final feedback show at the end of the season as well. Just to look back on the season overall, the the state of the franchise, such as it exists. Uh, We'll do that. So we've got a few more podcasts coming your way two more weeks of the of the tv show proper coming your way anything else going on in your life emily fox that you uh want to talk about no. we're watching forever on amazon right yeah, now. yeah i'm really enjoying that that's been fun yeah no just i'm just thinking about how i'm gonna eat lunch now okay well we're gonna go eat lunch <laughs> we hope that you guys uh have a great rest of your day great rest of your week yes rest up seems like we're gonna have some very big big little lies coming your way in the not too distant future until then take care bye 